Welcome to episode 25 of Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups, a podcast that is created from the stuff of dreams. Once upon a time, if you were lucky, someone told you bedtime stories. Maybe someone read you books, or the same favorite book over and over. Or maybe someone made up your bedtime stories, telling you nonsensical things until you closed your eyes and let sleep take you away. These bedtime stories are the whimsical made-up kind, little scenes from dreamland to guide you there. There is no plot to follow, no sense to make of anything, just a sequence of images from beyond the consciousness of day to help you let go and drift into dreamland. There are child slaves on an island not far from the city. They have to carry all the old people's baggage. Somehow we end up involved in a plot to free one of the child slaves. We are pretending he is our son. And we are pretending that we belong to the workers who are there of their own volition. They are there by choice, because they get holidays. The child slaves don't get any days off. So now we are heading toward the ferry with the boy. Do you want to go with your papa, or do you want to stay with us? We ask the boy. It is a question entirely for the benefit of the voluntary workers who are eyeing the boy suspiciously as we pass. Say, isn't your name Danny? One of them calls out. What's your name? Just ignore them, we say, and we keep going. A little faster now. But the alarm has been raised that some of the child slaves have gone missing. And now the factory police come pouring out of all the factories to look for the missing slaves. Like ants streaming out of a flooded anthill. Keep going, we say. We are almost there. Now we are in one of the small boats, heading out to the ferry. We think we have actually done it. Freed one of the child slaves. And for a moment, we are relieved and happy. Just one, though. We have only freed one. There are many, many more. We are trying to find our way home. 
And it turns out that our home has been our destination all along. The end point for some great puzzle game that we had to work our way through. Like a treasure hunt. And finding our home was the treasure. And also the end of the game. We have some leftovers with us for the journey. But we are not sure how we are going to feed everyone. There are a lot of people on this journey with us. We put all of the food that we have onto the table and the lineup of hungry people still stretched out the door and as far as we can see. Maybe the food will replicate itself for as long as it is needed. Eventually, all the food has been eaten and somehow, everyone seems satisfied. So we head back out on our journey again. We are finding our way home. We have to work together in order to roll back all of the roads and streets like rolling up carpets. It is easier to roll up the roads than it is to use shovels. Though it is hard not to get completely covered in mud as we do this. But we don't mind. The dogs are running around, barking enthusiastic encouragement. And we can see that the air is already getting so much cleaner. Now we can breathe. We received a telephone call from the cave. The fortune teller said there was an ill wind on the rise. There are some dangerous storms brewing. We need to look to the skies for direction. We need to pay attention. We ran into a friend. He was just leaving a play that he had fallen asleep in. It was so boring, he said, that even the actors on stage were falling asleep between their lines while the other actors droned on and on. That's terrible. Why would they persist in putting on the play if it was so boring? He said there were some interesting bits near the end, though. On one side of the stage, in all of the acts, a character dressed as a bride endured continual sorrow and suffering. In the final act, all of the characters were supposed to be so very happy. But it wasn't convincing. And the audience wasn't buying it. There was snow gently falling as the curtains closed. There was a smattering of polite but awkward applause. 
and then a child started sweeping the fake snow off the stage. It is too bad the piece as a whole was so boring. But at least none of the stage lights crashed to the ground during the performance. We can skateboard. Some of the skate paths run through boys' bedrooms and along their bed rails and out the window again. A man is explaining that these parallel tracks will always take you up or down a level. That is good to know. We didn't know that we could skateboard through buildings instead of using the stairs. Outside, the poets are busking on street corners. They have magical talking sticks decorated with colorful stones and they have small typewriters hanging from their necks. Portable desks. If you toss them a few coins, they will recite poetry through bullhorns. We met a very tough looking chef who was on a break in a back alley, sucking on a vape. He looked like he had been in some fights, and he had a lot of stitches. He had almost lost an eye. It was half hanging out of the socket. The chef was giving us directions on how to get around without using the main roads. We realized that we must have left all of our keys behind. We start walking up and down back alleys and up and down stairways and pathways that we have never seen before. This route is so much nicer, away from all the car exhaust and angry honking horns. We finally arrive at a house where a large shepherd-like wolf dog starts barking at us. Somehow, we can understand what he is saying. He is saying, Are you coming to visit Grandmother's house? Please come to visit Grandma. We are on indigenous land. We should visit Grandmother. We are in a small cabin in the woods near the water. There are crows mobbing a raven in a tree out back. The raven finally takes off with the crows in pursuit, but one crow stays behind. He flies from shoulder to shoulder and nuzzles our hair, making soft, affectionate sounds. Who is this? Then the crow starts speaking. He says, Je veux des yeux, je veux des yeux, over and over again. We are astonished. We didn't know that crows could speak. This crow must have been domesticated at one time. 
Then we start to say it with him. Je veux des yeux. Je veux des yeux. We think that we have made a new friend. But what does it mean? And then we realize that he is actually saying Je veux tes yeux. Je veux tes yeux. We are walking down a remote logging road and suddenly we stumble into the middle of a performance. So we sit down to watch. There are life-sized puppets being manipulated by several people dressed in black. An army jeep starts pulling the train of seats up the road. We are in those seats. We are the audience. When we finally stop, we wonder if we should take the opportunity to slip away into the woods. We are supposed to be somewhere else, aren't we? The performance isn't over, but we are pretty sure we have seen this before. Maybe it is just the story that is familiar, an old story that we have seen and heard so many times now. The story is the same. It is the way the story is told that keeps changing. People can be quite creative. We are staying with an old friend. She has a group of ladies over and they are doing some sort of personality test bonding thing. The ladies are all wearing matching yellow blouses. It must be part of the whole bonding thing. Apparently our friend has signed us up for the next session. But we are not wearing yellow blouses. The yellow blouses have to be earned. Now everyone who has done the test is in some other room and they are all singing I've got a friend in Jesus. Is this some kind of cult? The woman who is running the bonding session is asking us to share something that worries us. Well, we say, we are worried about many things. We are worried about starving birds dropping out of the sky and about raging fires and floods, aren't you? But they are not worried about anything at all because they all have yellow blouses and they have a friend in Jesus. We have been given some important scrolls to deliver to a household on the other side of the city. Somehow, we have lost one of the scrolls along the way, and now we are retracing our steps, hoping to find it. We are afraid of the consequences if we turn up without it, because we must keep the people entertained. 
We are navigating through dark waters on a ship that has gone missing. We don't know that the ship has gone missing because we are on it. After a time, we realize that we are sailing below the surface. But how can we breathe underwater? Do we have gills now? We have gotten to know the fish much better. They are curious about us and often come to visit, exploring the rooms below deck. Sometimes they put on elaborate performances. We didn't know that fish were such beautiful dancers. They moved together in perfect and harmonious symmetry. We know a woman who disowned her son. Before anyone could stop her, she had spoken the words. In that moment, time slowed to a crawl and he just disappeared. Now he has been erased from all of her stories and no one remembers that he ever existed. He will have to start all over again but with a different mother next time. We are setting up a sacred circle. There are singers and drummers and dancers. When we dance in the circle, we move our bodies to the rhythm and eventually we can feel ourselves floating above the ground. We have to make sure that the circle remains unbroken. Thank you for listening. Sweet dreams.